Everything that we could ever need, we're going to find in His presence, in His Word, but in, before Him. Amen. We assure our hearts, the Bible says, before Him. And uh, this morning, I um, want to just share with you that yesterday I got down in the morning early to pray. And as I began to just seek the face of God and pray, prayed some things through, and uh, the Lord really touched me in a powerful way. And um, as I was there, the Lord laid a message on my heart. And I said, Lord, I don't want to preach another man's message. And he said, I'm telling you what to preach. Don't argue with me, amen. Just do what I tell you to do. I said, I will, Lord. I'll do what you tell me to do. And, um, and so I'm going to endeavor to do this this morning. I'm not going to endeavor. I'm going to do it. Because God gave me the faith. He gave me the anointing. He said, there's going to be an anointing that will break the yoke of depression. That will break the yoke of despair. That will break the yoke of discouragement. That will break the yoke of idleness. Amen. He said, there is an anointing that will break every yoke. Praise God. There's a lot of preaching about anointing, but I don't even think they know what they're talking about. But there is an anointing that breaks every yoke. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 17. 2 Samuel chapter 17. Now I'm going to preach this morning uh, out of this text. And uh, I want to start with the context of the scripture. And uh, then we will uh, get into what I believe and know that God wants to say this morning. And uh, I'm so thankful this morning. He knows how to communicate. Amen. Right where we're at. So praise the Lord. I want you to pray with me if you would just stretch your hand this way and pray for your pastor this morning that God will do what he wills and that I'll get out of the way and let him flow through me. Father, today I come before you, Lord, and you know that my heart, Lord, is so, uh, Lord, broken before you, Lord, and my spirit, Lord, and I just want you to have your perfect will and way, and Lord, whether I weep my way through it, Lord, or I preach my way through it, I pray that you will just bring the anointing that makes preaching effective. And God, that every person that's here this morning, that this message will be the perfect prescription for them and that something will be said that will bring life to them, bring hope. God, bring an encouraging thing, a stirring, a stirring and a challenge and an encouragement in their spirit today. I submit to you. I humble myself before you. I submit to you, Lord. I cannot do anything without you. Everything that I have, I do and, and, and will uh, operate in because of your power and your spirit. Help me today, Lord. Flow through me for your glory, for your honor, for your power, Lord, for your witness today, Lord, and have thine own perfect will and way. In the name of Jesus, we ask you and thank you. Amen and amen. In 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 15, the Bible says this. It says, Then said Hushai unto Zadok and to Abathar, 
the priests. Thus and thus did Ahithophel counsel Absalom and the elders of Israel. And thus and thus have I counseled. Now therefore sin quickly and tell David, saying, Lodge not this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily pass over, lest the king be swallowed up and all the people that are with him. Uh, I'm preaching this message this morning. Don't die in the wilderness. Don't die in the wilderness. And as I said, I want to start with the context of the scripture first and just lay a foundation. If you have studied the word of God, you know in the Old Testament that King David, one of the greatest Old Testament kings, uh, you know, uh, was the king of Israel and he found himself in the latter part of his life being confronted with a hostile takeover of the kingdom by his son Absalom. Absalom was a very handsome man. He was a very charismatic individual. And uh, he, uh, the Bible says, stood at the gate and he stole the hearts of the people. And uh, uh, so David, you know, at this uh, aggressive attack from Absalom and threat, began to pick up his family and those that were there that he could. And he began to flee from Jerusalem Uh, And he was uh, led or taken out, fleeing to the wilderness from Jerusalem. Well, he sent word uh, with Hushai into the council there where Absalom was meeting with his, you know, his his support team, if you will, or his council. And uh, we know Ahithophel uh, began to give him counsel. But uh, David, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Absalom didn't take the counsel of Ahithophel because God used Hushai to speak unto him and tell him, you know, uh, what was going to happen with David. And, and so David sent Hushai to see what Absalom's strategy was to be so he could be a step ahead. And the Bible says in verse 14 of the 17th chapter that Absalom heeded the counsel of Hushai and not his own counselor, and God did that to defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. So Hushai came out and he said to Zadok and Abathar the priest, Go tell David, don't lodge in the wilderness lest the king be swallowed up and those with him. Because Absalom is on his way to put to death uh, King David. Well, we know if you've read the word of God, the story goes to tell that David got out of the wilderness and he remained king and in authority. And I want to stop for a second and just say this. If God has placed you in a place, in a position, uh, in ministry or something that he's doing, except for you yourself, there's not a devil in hell that can change that. Doesn't mean you're not going to suffer opposition. Doesn't mean that there's not going to be the attack of the enemy. But when God has put you in a place, in a position like he did King David, I can tell you this much, that uh, there's not a devil in hell that's going to change that. If you read the story, you understand in the word of God that Absalom died and he hung from his own hair, his flocked hair, and he was caught in the branches of a tree and he died in his pursuit against David to kill him. That's the context of this passage. He lived, David did, because he listened to Hushai. Now David is any one of us today. He's any one of us. You know, we go through spiritual wildernesses and seasons 
in our lives. Can you say amen? And we don't always understand why we're there. We don't always understand. I'm learning and I've been telling my wife as we go through things in this life, God is working in the midst of it. God is working in the midst of it. And uh, I have been in the wilderness. You've been in the wilderness too. And sometimes we know why we're there because of consequence of our sin. But sometimes we're there because... Uh, of, of a conflict that has come. I believe David had a little bit of both, but I know this much that I've been there, you've been there, and sometimes we can't explain why we're there or what's going on in that wilderness place. But I know this much. The Word of God says in Psalms 33, 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him, upon them that hope in His mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in the famine it also says in Isaiah 40 29 and through 31 as we read this morning he giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might he increaseth strength even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fail but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thank God, amen, that He meets us whenever we need renewal. Do you need renewal this morning? Do you need a touch from God this morning? Are you going through a place that you don't understand and that's hard to comprehend? God sees you right where you're at and you say, that's not me this morning. Well, it's somebody in this house this morning. Somebody heard debilitating news. Somebody heard they got a terminal disease. Somebody was told something that absolutely crippled them in their faith today and you find yourself in a wilderness. Maybe you're just going through a place spiritually that you do not understand why you're there, but you're there today and God is going to bring you through. Amen. If you'll heed the Word of God this morning, don't die in that wilderness. <clears throat> now the Word of God clearly from the Scripture God looks at us as in type like eagles. And I'm reminded of a message that Brother Daryl Turner preached many years ago. And he's preached even here. And I preached it even several years ago. We and Sister Skiles were going over about the timeline. And she said, well, it's been at least five or six years because the church was going a different direction. The platform was over there on that wall. And I said, that was prior to 2017. So we know, uh, you know, it, it was a long time ago. And, and I said, Lord, I just, I just want to do what you want me to do. And he reminded me of this message. And I tried to pull everything that I could Remember, and I believe God is going to say something to you today as I share this wonderful story. But in his great message, he talked about an evangelist and how there was an evangelist many years ago that was preaching a revival. And in one of his messages, he began to preach on eagles, just like I shared the scripture in Isaiah 40. 
And at the end of his message, as they began to dismiss, an old Indian came up to him by the name of Tacoma, and he approached him and said, Clearly, preacher, you know a lot about eagles. And the preacher began to tell him the stats and the things that he knew and how they correlated with our lives as Christians. And he said, You know, eagles can live to be above 50 years of age. They uh, have a wingspan of six to eight feet. Can you imagine that? Six to eight feet. This this uh, altar right here is probably almost eight feet. Six to eight feet. The great eagle in its maturity has a wingspan of three to four feet on each side of its body. That's a pretty that's a pretty big uh, wingspan. Amen. But he said eagles weighing up to nine to fifteen pounds in their body can go down and snatch a baby goat off the side of a mountain and they can take that goat that's two to three times their own body weight they have so much power within them uh, to, 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 to swoop in and to take the prey and they don't eat anything dead they only eat that which is alive amen hallelujah aren't you thankful that God equates us to eagles that only eat that which is living amen aren't you thankful for the living Christ the living bread of life the life in the Spirit of God. I wouldn't belong to a church where the Holy Ghost wasn't present. I wouldn't be a part of a religion or any kind of a faith that didn't have life. But we have the only true faith this morning. We have the life this morning. And Jesus is the way. But he began to share about how that eagles are so majestic and the majestic species that they are. And the old Indian said, you know what, I want to take you someplace tomorrow morning. I want you to meet me early in the morning and I want to show you something about eagles that you probably didn't know. Now Tacoma took him to a place in the mountains called Eagle's Bluff. And if you uh, know the story, you know that the old Indian took him up upon the mountain. They drove for several hours. But they went to a place and they looked out upon that bluff or that where that mountaintop was. And it was a beautiful sight to see. The old preacher saw and the Indian saw 33 soaring eagles up there in Eagle's Bluff. It was, uh, they were flying and soaring with such beauty and such power and such grace. You know, if you know anything about eagles, you know as you've studied that they can fly and soar at 30 miles an hour and they can dive to their prey at a hundred miles an hour they are quite an animal amen they're quite a species we know from just studying things on google that uh, aeronautic science came from observing eagles some guy went out there that was an, an engineer and he saw them eagles flying I believe the Wright brothers before they ever made the first plane they saw those eagles and they observed them. There's something special, something extraordinary, something majestic, amen, about an eagle. It's an awesome thing. But Tacoma said, it's wonderful, amen, isn't it? But this isn't what I really wanted to show you. So they drove down the mountain and walked two miles through the woods as they drove down that mountain, walked into a wooded area to an open area where that was below where the 33 eagles.
eagles were soaring and flying above. And when they walked upon that open area there, they saw five eagles that were down there on the ground. They weren't flying. They weren't really even moving. They were the most emaciated and the most sickly looking eagles. Almost near to death. The preacher asked, what happened to these eagles? Why are they down here? And Tacoma said, these eagles are in the molting period, also known as a moping period. But they're at a place in their life, and they don't really know a whole lot about it. But we know that every eagle, as I've observed them for years, comes down here at some point in time in their life, and they're in that moping period or molting period where their feathers begin to come off of them and they shed their feathers or they lose their feathers. I want to say to you today, we've all been there in a moping period. We've all been there where we felt like there was no life, no wings, no feathers to fly into the heavens. We've all been there where we thought, Lord, I wish I was there again. I wish I could experience that again. I want to tell you today that it's not all over for you and me. We have a spiritual heritage that's been given to us. We have a God in heaven who said, I want to bless you, amen. I want to pour my spirit out upon you like never before. And the old Indian said, these, in, these eagles are down here in this moping period and study shows, it, it, you know, it's a period around 30 years of age in an eagle's life that's halfway through their lifespan. He said they lose their feathers. Their beaks get calcified with weight where they can't even hardly hold their head up. And their talons are bruised and they're altered through injuries and through different things. They have no strength, not even to hold up their heads. They The, 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 the Google, as I studied it, said in the molting period, said they don't even walk or soar like eagles. They walk around like turkeys. And I'm not trying to be funny but you know turkeys just kind of gobble along and wobble along but that's not what eagles are called and designed and created to do they were never called to be like a turkey they were never called to live like a chicken they were never called to be in captivity they were never called to be bound up but they were called to soar they were created to soar the heavens And he said, preacher, I want you to see. He said, those eagles, you know how I know they're in the moping period? He said, is it because their feathers are, are gone or they're, they're shedding them? He said, that's part of it. But the other part is a strong eagle cries. A strong eagle weeps. They have to weep. It's a scientific fact. They have to weep to, to, as they close their eyes to begin to almost like a windshield wiper over their eagle eyes. And they have the vision like nobody, like no creation has. They have a vision that, that's just unparalleled. It's just unbelievable as they've studied that. But he said, he said, I want to tell you something, preacher. He said, strong eagles weep. They cry. He said, look at them. Their eyes are dry. There's no more cry in them. They're down there in that moping period. I'm reminded of King David whenever 
He went down to Ziklag and he left and he came back. And I believe it was the Amalekites that went down there. And they began to take all of the women, all of the cattle, all of everything that they had down there at Ziklag. And they came back and David's mighty men of valor that could fight, you know, a, a lion in a snowy cave or, or be like Shema that was out there in the pea patch. And he fought for that little pea patch, you know, fought men and began to slam hip and thigh or, or, or all the others, Eleazar, that clave to his spear the men that were with him he found as they went back and they lost everything their houses they lost their families they lost every bit of material substance they had they wept and the bible says in the scripture they wept so hard that they had no more tears to weep people go through times in their spiritual life where they say I'm not weeping anymore. I don't have anything left in me. I'm going somewhere. Stay here with me. Real eagles will weep and cry. The moping period is a period of depression they go through. That's a mystery to scientists. But nothing's a mystery to God. There's things that he allows in our lives because he's doing something profound. Amen. You say, why am I here? Why am I going through this? God allowed it. God allowed it. I've had people get up when I preach that and they walk out. They were so mad. And I said, I'm going to tell you right now, God has an eternal fruit and glory he's trying to get out of your life through everything. Amen. Maybe this was what it took for God to change you. You know, if we're His children, He said, I can chasten you. If I can't chasten you, then I'm not your father. But if I'm your father, I can apply the pressure. Amen. We go through things and we don't understand, but we need to quit asking God why and we need to start saying, what God are you trying to do in my life? Where does there need to be the, the, the sanctification applied or uh, what needs to be done here? I, I, I know that it's a mystery to scientists, but it's not a mystery to God. Amen. He, he will turn Turn up the refiner's fire. He will spin, amen, that potter's wheel faster or, or begin to turn up the heat in that furnace so that we can become a vessel of honor. Tacoma said, preacher, he said, go over and pick one of them eagles up. He said, oh, no, no. He said, no, you can't pick up an eagle. I don't even care if they're in that state. He said, you cannot pick up an eagle like that. He said, they have a ferocious nature. And it's very dangerous. And Tacoma said, not these eagles, preacher. They're too weak. They have no strength to even hold up their heads. And he went over and by one of them eagles. And he put his hand right under his neck and his head. And he just slumped over. He said, they have nothing. No strength. Amen. Paul shared with Timothy... In 2 Timothy 4.16, a testimony, he said, There was a time that no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that the preaching might be fully known. 
There are times we feel no one is standing with us, but the Lord is with us. His eye is on the sparrow. And you know what I find is so beautiful is that even when you think there's no brother or there's no sister that cares, God has somebody waiting in the wings. If you're a spirit-filled person, he'll send somebody your way. Amen. He said, you that are spiritual, if you see somebody overtaken with a fault, he said, you that are spiritual, go and restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Go over and begin to lift them up. Go over and begin to pray over them. Go over and begin to minister to them. I was thinking about my cousin who, his wife, they were in ministry. They had a church and his wife just came up to him one day. This is all I know. Came up to him and said I'm done God she said she deceived but she said the Holy Spirit told her she could go and she could dissolve their marriage and walk away he said God didn't say that to you a lion spirit told you that you know but she went on they're divorced and everything just was taken from him it was a horrible horrible ordeal that he had to go through in 2021 but I know he was going through a hard time and and one of my family members told me he was at the ball field there just trying to make things as normal for his children and he was sitting there trying to tie one of his boy his boy's shoe and 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 the boy was just acting out because of all the things that are going on you know a lot of times we say well my sin's not going to affect anybody it's my life and it only affects me but let me tell you something that's a lie from the pit of hell what you do affects other people what you say affects other people how you act and the decisions you make affect other people amen you think it's just a little secret sin but it's not a secret sin when it comes out in your children's life it's not a secret God knows and the things that are done in secret they will come out because we reap what we sow and a pastor in town was at the same ball game and walked by and he said is everything okay and my cousin said I'm fine it's okay he's just having a fit and he went over and he sat down and he came back over to him and he said I'm going to ask you again is everything okay? And he said, no, it's not. And he began to, to share with him what was going on in his life. And you know, I'm so thankful for pastors and leaders and people that are in tune with what's going on in the bodies. You know, going on in the body, they're discerning the body. And uh, he began to... To, 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 to really minister to my cousin. And, you know, he lost his church. He lost his house. He lost his family. He lost everything. He was in that wilderness. But that pastor came and he said, I want to hire you, first of all. And, he, and, and somebody in the church came over and they said, you know, they said somebody in the church has a furniture store. They want you to go down and they want you to pick out a brand new bedroom set. They said prices, no, no problem. Just go and pick out what you want, you know. And he went down there and God just began, you know, to move and minister. And, and uh, you know, but God restored because he's a restorer, amen. But I was thinking about this, you know. There are times we feel like no one is standing with me, but the Lord is. His eye is on the sparrow. Besides, God always has a Hushai or a Zadok the priest or a Abathar that's waiting in the wings to be dispatched as an angel sent from above. Amen. 
He's always got a Barzillai or a Abigail or a, in Paul's case a Thebes or a Priscilla and Aquila helpers in Christ that will be there to minister to the needs of the Apostle Paul. Amen. I, I, I'm so grateful he knows how to send the good Samaritan when you're on the side of the road and you feel like there's nobody that's going to help me but I've been stoned and left for dead and here I am and what am I going to do God but God always sends a good Samaritan on the Jericho road amen I was thinking about whenever I fell off the ladder and sister Skiles and I we were so broke we had medical bills we were losing our house we were we were we were on the brink of bankruptcy and here we are because I fell off of the ladder amen I was going through one of the lowest moments of my life you know I'm going to share something with you you know we we need to honestly be thankful and happy for people when they're blessed in their life and I remember when we went into our condo there were people in the church it was the first home we ever bought and everybody wanted us to have a, a place to live until we got it and then three or four families got mad and they left and I looked at Angela one day and I said those were the same people that wanted us to be blessed and, and the, the Pastor Duke said you know people don't mind you being blessed as long as you're not more blessed than they are but here we are we lost our condo grandma got hit head on at Rosecrans and Gilbert Cameron got run over by a, a woman in a car on his bike almost ran completely over our little boy and I fell off the ladder all those things happened in a three month period of time we were going through the wilderness. I'm going to tell you something. I was standing at the Pentecostal Church of God's conference. I was in an organization that I didn't even belong and didn't even have any part of, but my dad was there. And I felt like I have nobody. You know, nobody. But I'll never forget standing in front there with two big old black eyes that were healing from me falling. It had been about two weeks and, and then somebody tapped me on the shoulder and Sister Bloomfield, who I did not even know, slipped a check in my hand and I opened that up on the way home. $500 she slipped in my hand. I thought, God, thank God for a Sister Bloomfield. Thank God for people that know how to hear the mind and the voice of God. I remember when Angela was pregnant with Kyle and, and a lady came up to me in church by the name of Louise Crow and she said, she said, Jonathan, I want to tell you something's wrong with that girl. She's not well. She's not well. I know she's pregnant. She said, but there's something wrong. You need to take her to the doctor. Something's wrong. And we ended up going to the doctor and found out she had toxemia and she was sick. She was poisoned in her body and Kyle was born premature. She she almost died. He was born not breathing. It was a wilderness for me and my wife. But there were people that were there when we needed them. We started this church. And we didn't have any food in the cupboard. And I remember just sitting down after two years of pastoring. Maybe it was three years. Sister Skiles and I are sitting there and we didn't know what to do. We paid the rent on the church because that was our first priority. 
Amen. I'm not saying this to say, look at me, but I'm telling you, I always paid the rent on the church before we ever got a nickel. Had to pay the rent on the church. Amen. Because I didn't want anybody to come in and worry. I wanted them to come in and see the church is functioning. Amen. We trusted God. We believed God. And I'll never forget, we had nothing to eat. And I, I, we were just praying. We said, God, you're going to have to provide. My boys wanted something to eat. And we just said, well, we'll scrounge around here in the cupboard and find something. We'll fix it. We didn't know what we were going to do. About that time, Mike and Sylvia Almanza pulled up. It wasn't 10, 15 minutes. They pulled up in that big old blue Suburban. And oh Mike, you know, he got a hallelujah. And I thought, oh my God, hallelujah. They had a bag in their hand. It had to have been something. And there was beans and rice and fresh made tortillas from Sylvia's kitchen. They said we was just cooking dinner and the Lord dropped the thought to come and feed our In our lowest place, God sent somebody by our way. Why are you preaching that, Pastor? Because you stopped at the eagles down in the moping period. Let me tell you something. Tacoma said, you know what? Pull on back, preacher, about 50 feet. I want you to see something. It's getting ready to happen. About that time. There started dropping squirrel meat and rabbit pieces of red meat down there. And uh, he said, what's happening? He said, you see all them 30 eagles that were up there soaring up there at Eagle's Bluff? He said, they're dropping meat down here to these that are down here in this moping period and in this wilderness. He said, they're dropping meat. He said, why are they doing that? He said, because it wasn't that long ago they were down here in that moping period. Tacoma said, those soaring eagles are dropping that meat. About two eagles began to kind of hobble over and begin to kind of pluck at that meat and pick at it and begin to eat. But there were three down there that never made a move. They never moved. You know, people sit in church and the pastor preaches or leaders preach in the youth and, and as young adults and and, and you'll go to meetings or whatever, but people sit and they never enter in. Young people sit and they never enter in. They say, I don't feel God. But yet they hear a message where God is throwing meat out there to them. He's throwing bread out there to them. And He's saying, eat my eagles, eat. I know you're in the moping period, but eat. Begin to grab. If you're dead spiritually today, this message is for you. You can live if you want to live. You don't have to die in your spiritual death. The enemy wants to destroy your life, but God wants to revive you and refresh you and restore you today. Don't die in the wilderness. Eat that meat, church. Oh, many a great eagles encouraged you. Prayer warriors bombarded heaven for your soul. You thought it was just you that decided to pray. No, somebody wept all night for you. If you're there today, you can live. 
Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's within you. Why would he say such a thing? You know, somebody said, I've got some good advice for you. If you'll take it. When I started the church, I said, lay it on me. They said, don't. I said, don't what? They said, don't start one. I said, why? They said, because it's not for the fainted heart. One of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life. You'll go through some of the most horrific trials, and there's preachers that never made it back. They got so discouraged. They're not only not in the ministry, but they're not even serving God. Well, I'm going to tell you something. That's how you know it was God for me. Because I said, Lord, there's no other option for me. I can't go back to that office. I sat in there for years and wept at my desk out of the will of God. God dealing with me. I can't say I was out of the will of God, but he was stirring something in me so that I wouldn't be out of the will of God. Amen. I went into my boss one time weeping and crying. He said, what is wrong with you? I said, I'm not supposed to be here. He said, well, then go home. I said, thank you. I said, I got to go home and pray. He said, do what you got to do. It wasn't long after that. I began to give my notice. Went into the ministry full time. Paul told Timothy, though, stir up the gift of God. He didn't tell him, don't start in ministry. But when you're at your lowest moment, stir up the gift of God within you because he knew the trials of life and the trials of ministry, the opposition and the affliction and the pain, being shipwrecked and snake bit and stoned and left for dead, thrice being beaten. He knew there's going to be times, Timothy, he said you're going to have to stir up the gift of God within you. He said you're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord. There's going to be times when there's not going to be somebody there to pray for you and you better hope to shout you know your Bible and you know how to get a hold of God because you're going to have to eat the meat that God drops before you. Amen. And he will drop that meat before you. God doesn't want you and I to die and go down in defeat in the moping period or the wilderness but he wants us to live <laughs> he's in that valley of the shadow of death with you the preacher said Tacoma what's going to happen to those three that didn't eat he took him another hundred feet over to the left away and he saw 30 little white crosses and he said, if they don't eat that meat, they'll die. I've buried every one of those eagles that died under those white crosses. He said, that's the end for those eagles who refuse to eat. You know, Satan has your death planned. But God has a glorious restoration. <laughs> he gives grace to the weak. It is very easy to yield to discouragement and despair and fears and woe. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What does renew their strength mean? I'm going to tell you what God revealed to me. And every time I begin to think about it, I begin to weep. Do you know that in the moping period, the molting period, where those eagles lose their feathers, 
God created them. And he recreates in them new feathers. And do you know that scientists have observed them feathers as they come in? And as they come in, there is something that's very interesting about those new feathers. They have a blood flow flowing through them. In fact, they call them blood feathers. And if they pull out one of those feathers too early, they can bleed profusely from that one feather being pulled out. And God said, when they couldn't fly because they didn't have the feathers to fly, they didn't have the will, they were going through the moping period, the molting period, the period in that wilderness where they just couldn't live, had no strength. He said, I begin as they eat that meat to begin to cause those blood feathers to begin to be born, if you will. I'm going to tell you, God said, we must be born again. And he said, what happens, I believe, and I'm just going to go off script here, but just say that I believe when we're young in the Lord, you know, I believe when we're young in the Lord that we go through a time where the enemy comes and he tries to take us out with all these external things, you know. They shut your electricity off or you're going through a, a difficulty in your finances or, or, or something happens, you know. But as you grow in the Lord and you're supposed to, we're all supposed to grow in grace and grow in the Lord. You know, you, you learn, number one, how to overcome those things and not let them absolutely destroy you you know you know uh, and you you learn that as you grow in God but what the enemy tries to do is he tries to come internally in your life as you get older to bring unbelief just ask an older person I can tell you they're they're concerned about is my retirement going to make it through everything especially in the times that we're living in and is there going to be social security whenever it's time you know when I'm going to need it what about this what about that what about all of these things what about my body because as you get older as you get older your body goes through you know a breakdown stage and and people say no I'm 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 doing great amen I'm gonna tell you there's gonna come a point in time that you will die from a natural cause you'll you'll die from natural causes because the body will shut down but there's all of these things that create and spark unbelief as you get older all of these things weigh on your mind I had somebody get very vehement upset with me they said I don't believe that and I said oh you know it's true amen you, I know that I've heard older preachers say the hardest thing that you battle as you get older is unbelief the devil wants to destroy you amen but God said they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength even the young amen they're going to be buffeted but they that wait upon the Lord and God said there I will produce those new blood feathers because you learn to come back to the blood you come to you learn to come back to the bleeding side of Calvary you learn to come back and say Lord what I forgot amen there's no blood coming through these feathers but you've given me new blood feathers that have new life there's life in the blood there's life in the blood and he says I give you new feathers and new life I give you a shot in the arm a revival in your spiritual life I said Lord and he said those blood feathers begin to grow and it brings you to a place where you can fly again you can fly again you can soar again 
yeah, our experience becomes stagnant. It becomes something that used to be generated and maintained by the blood. But there's no blood in those old feathers. But the new feathers got blood flowing through them. Amen. We need a new fresh experience. Amen. Are you hearing me today? You need a new fresh experience. We've been there in that wilderness where he said, I don't feel God anymore. Start pleading the blood. Get that blood pumping. The only time there's a, a, a limb that has to be cut off or is dead is because there's no blood circulating. But where the blood begins to circulate, life begins to come. Give the Lord praise. God is a God of restored spiritual life through the revival of the understanding of the blood. The Ark of the Covenant was restored back to Jerusalem. Never under the reign of King Saul. But David saw that Ark of the Covenant come back. But you can study it on your own. There was an unbelievable amount of sacrifices of blood to bring that Ark back to the temple. I remember Pat Uriton teaching on that in the Bible study as she went through First and Second Samuel. And there was something powerful about how that they tried to manipulate that ark on a new cart and touch it and steady it. And God smote Uzzah dead right there. And God said, David, you need to go back and you need to read the Word of God. There's not going to be a spiritual experience without the blood. There's not going to be deliverance or revival without the blood. And they had to shed many, many, many oxen, their blood, as they traveled their way back to the to the temple with the ark. If we want the Spirit of God, it's got to come through the blood. He said, at the end of the week, Tacoma took the preacher back up to Eagle's Bluff a week later to show him the progress. And he said, looks like the same eagles. And he pulled out his telescope. And he said, I want to show you something, preacher. He said, look down there. He said, you see that little eagle? He's on the side of that mountain. He's got his feet on the rock. And he said, that's Tannikin. He said, Tannikin, how do you know who he is? I know who he is. But he said, I know. Because I've watched him come out of that wilderness up the side of that mountain. David said, when my heart is overwhelmed within me, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. This morning, oh, he said, look at him. And, and, and the, the old Indian gave that preacher the telescope. And he said, look at him. He said, not only is he on his rock, he said, but those feathers are coming in. Amen. He said, he's not out of that wilderness yet, but he's coming. Amen. He's not there yet, but he's coming. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful today that you're not where you used to be even a month ago? Amen. Aren't you thankful that you're not where you were a year ago or two years ago 
or last week, my God in heaven, he said, look at him, Tannikin's down there. He said, how do you know he's coming out of the wilderness? He said, because look at him. He said, he's weeping again. There's tears coming down the side of those eyes. He's a weeping eagle, amen. And he said, not only that, he said, but look at him. He's just flapping those wings and he's screeching out to the heavens. He's screeching, ah, ah, he's screeching because I can tell you when God brings you through that wilderness he restores your praise amen he restores your joy he restores the shout he restores amen and he said it won't be long he said he'll come up the side of that mountain and he'll take off one day and it won't be long he said he'll be going to grab that meat he'll be grabbing that squirrel he'll be grabbing that rabbit he'll be throwing it down to the next eagle down there in that moping period. You can live today, church. You can live today. God will give you revival in your soul. You don't have to die in the wilderness. You don't have to die in the wilderness. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, mighty God. I want my sister Lupe to come. So my helper up here. Hallelujah. I want you to know today. Amen. They that wait upon the Lord. Sister, you play that. They that wait upon the Lord. Amen. Shall renew their strength. Help her. Amen. Turn that piano on. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I've been down in a wilderness. God didn't have me preach this because he just wanted me to preach somebody else's message because I didn't want to do it. But he had me preach this because he's got some that he wants to say to some folks he's trying to do something in your life you're going through a wilderness place a moping period you're going through a place where you say pastor I just can't seem to get out of that wilderness God is going to touch you today there's an anointing in this house that's powerful and if you will begin to run to him he will begin to touch your life if you may be bound by a depression you may be going through a time of anxiety maybe it's a wilderness Amen. Because somebody left you. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Or maybe you're going through a time where they told you you don't have long to live. Maybe you say, I fought and I fought and I fought. I can't fight no more, Pastor. I don't know what to do. I'm in this wilderness where I feel like my situation will never change. God wants to bring you out of the wilderness. You got to choose not to die there. You gotta choose a church.